Thanks, Matt. Good morning, guys. It's good to be here. Glad you were with us this morning. Uh, a couple people mentioned that I have big boy pants on. You might notice I actually have a crease in them rather than shorts or jeans. I thought it was Easter. I'd get dressed up just for you, but it's, uh, I'm glad you guys are here. We're going to talk about hope today, like Matt said. And I think in the times that we live in and the world that we live in, it uh, seems that hope is in short supply. Some of you look at the political landscape in our country uh, and you think it's hopeless. Or you look at the rise of terrorism, what's happening all around the world right now, and again, you think it's hopeless. Honestly, some of you look at your marriage and you cry out, it's hopeless. There's no way it's ever going to get better. Or you look at your teenage or adult child who seems to be in this never-ending downward spiral of foolishness, and you thought maybe more than once, that kid's not going to change. He or she is hopeless. My goal today, and what I want you to leave here with, is some hope. I want to inspire you to have hope again. And the reason for that is really simple, because Easter is all about hope. It's the Super Bowl for the church, but it's all about hope. And my prayer for you is the same that the Apostle Paul prayed. It's found in Romans 15, 13. Let me read it to you. He said, I pray that God, the source of, here it is, all hope, will infuse your lives with an abundance of joy and peace in the midst of your faith so that your hope will overflow through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about hope here, peace and joy. And what he says is important for us to understand, that God is the source of all hope. Now, there are other things we can put our hope in, but God's the very source of it. And I want you, again, to leave here today with more joy, more peace, and more hope than perhaps you came in with. But I want to do something first before we go there. And I want to acknowledge and own the fact that a lot of us wrestle with this. We struggle. Uh, we go through seasons of our lives where there's not a lot of hope. I started working on this message about hope on Tuesday morning. And here's my normal routine, not you, not you care, but I want to give you kind of the context of what was happening in my life. I wake up early. I'm an early riser. And the first thing I usually do is spend some time in the Word. Uh, before I go do anything else, I just like to read through the Word. I typically read a psalm, one chapter in Psalms, one chapter in Proverbs, spend a little bit of time in the Word. After that, I check my email just to make sure there's nothing critical that I need to respond to right away. And as I looked at my email Tuesday morning, I had an email from a friend about another friend, a mutual friend of ours, who has uh, fourth uh, stage cancer, and this, unless a miracle happens, this will be her last Easter. And my heart was heavy with that news. I love her a lot. After uh, reading my email, checking things, I uh, usually spend a little bit of time writing. I'm, a, again, a morning guy and working on a blog or working on my sixth book, actually, right now. Hopefully I'll get it done one of these years. But spending some time every morning writing. And then after that, I get hungry, and I usually have light breakfast, and I sit down and I flip on the news just to see what's happening in the world. And of course, Tuesday morning, you know what hit the news was what had happened in, in Brussels and the tragedy of that terrorism attack. And again, I thought, how senseless. When is this going to stop? And it, it literally broke my heart. After watching the news uh, for a bit, I got up, made a cup of coffee, and I sat in my favorite chair. I have a little lazy boy that sits right by a window, and I can turn it, rotate it, and I look out the window. And I see a cup of coffee in hand, and I reached over on top of my Bible, and I grabbed the prayer list. Every week, we ask our East Pointers to give us prayer requests, things that we can stand with you in prayer about. And the list this last week was a little shorter than usual. There were 15 or 16 items on it, but I began to read through it. I'll give you just a sample of the things that were on this list. Please pray for my cousin, who is only two months to live. Pray for my marriage. Pray for my friends who are expecting a baby and they have no place to live. Pray for Jesus to come into my kid's life. Pray for my friend who lost his wife suddenly. Pray for restoration of my relationship with my daughter. And the list went on. 
And I'm not embarrassed to tell you that it wrecked me. Uh, my pastor, Shepherd's heart, went into overdrive, and I just started weeping. Sat there in my chair, uh, just crying, praying over these requests and the many others I know of in our church. Then just to add a little bit of insult to injury, uh, as I'm sitting there Tuesday morning, it started snowing. <laughs> you know how I feel about the snow. So I had to pray a little bit more just to get, you know, my heart back in place because I wasn't very happy. It was a tough morning. Bad news in an email, bad news in the world, bad news from friends. It was tough. And again, the struggle for hope. I said that Easter is filled with hope. Obviously, that first Easter weekend didn't start that way for the disciples of Jesus. We have the benefit of looking backwards. We see what happened. I want you to imagine, just for a moment, use that God-given imagination you have, and imagine what Friday and Saturday were like for the disciples. On Friday, Jesus is unjustly tried, viciously beaten, and then brutally nailed to a cross. His disciples, his friends, and his family, they're in despair and shock. This was not the plan, at least not their plan. The best man they'd ever known, their teacher, their rabbi, their friend, their hero, the miracle worker, the one who just the Sunday before, we call it Palm Sunday, but just the Sunday before was welcomed by thousands of shouts, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. And, and they expected, this is it, we're on the rise. And yet that's not what happened. The very one they loved was being ripped from their lives as he's being nailed to a cross. Horrible, horrible day. On Saturday, the next day, wasn't much better. They're hiding in fear for their own lives. They figure if they killed Jesus, we're probably next. We're affiliated with him. We, they know us. They're confused. They're dazed. Judas, one of the 12, one of their buddies, one of their, the tribe, one of the guys they hung out with for three years had committed suicide, and they all knew about that. But worse than all of that, Saturday, again, the reality, at least as far as they're concerned, Jesus is gone forever. He's dead. And all their hopes, all their dreams for a bright future are gone as well. You need to think about how they felt, how hopeless they felt. And then their shock and their despair quickly turned to guilt and shame and depression. Because every one of them, not just Peter, but every one of them had abandoned Jesus. Now, Peter denied him three times. That happened. But every one of them, in Jesus' greatest moment of need, bolted. They abandoned Jesus. They left. And so when all hell broke loose, they gave up hope. They had hoped that Jesus was the one, that he was the Messiah. They had hoped that he would end the Roman occupation of their homeland. They didn't like the Romans. They had hoped that Jesus would give them power and prestige and make them famous too. They thought, man, we're on his coattails. We're going to all rise to power. But nothing they expected happened. You need to put yourself in their shoes. Nothing. Nothing they expected happened. And Saturday was the second worst day of their lives. Now, before we're too quick to judge them for their hopelessness, again, we look back and go, what was wrong with you guys? Didn't you listen to Jesus? He said he was going to come back. But let's own the fact that we, too, are often in the same place. We've had hope ripped from our soul. And most, if not all of us, can relate to at least seasons of hopelessness in our lives. One of the most uh, difficult books in the Old Testament to read is the story of Job. Job lost everything. Lost everything. And he struggled. He was a guy who really struggled with questions and, 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 and didn't understand what is going on in his life. And maybe you felt like this with Job, 7, Job 17, verse 1 and 15. He said, my spirit is broken. My days are cut short. The grave awaits me. There's a depressed guy. Man, this is horrible. And in verse 15 says, where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? 
Now, I won't ask you to raise your hands, but I think most of us have been there. We've been in that place. What's going on? What the heck? Why is this taking place? And we've struggled with despair. I'm very aware of some of your situations, and I, I don't want to do this next part uh, to drag up any pain at all, but I want you to identify with hopelessness. See, maybe for you, words like infertility, cancer, chronic pain, unemployment, miscarriage, betrayal, death, divorce, single, maybe words like that for you send you into a hopeless emotional tailspin, and you've struggled. In fact, maybe you can relate to some stories here from my friends. Let's watch this together. In case you're wondering, those are real stories of friends of mine, East Pointers, who have gone through and are still going through some very difficult and heartbreaking experiences. And their reactions are normal. Confusion, anger, chaos, fear, and much, much more. And again, the reason I'm trying to show you these stories and want you to identify with them is because we've all been there. Lost in a maze of life, struggling to make sense of the things that have happened to us. That's the problem. What's the solution? What do we do? How do we handle the unexpected? How do we survive in the face of overwhelming obstacles? What do we do when our heart's been yanked out of our chest and thrown on the ground and stomped on by somebody that we once trusted what do you do when it looks like God's plan is a mistake? Can I humbly suggest to you that it's perhaps not so much about a what as it is a who? Not so much about what we do, but who we turn to. Now, of course, what we do is important. But maybe, maybe who we turn to is a lot more important, especially when life hits the fan. Long before his crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus stood outside a tomb. It's the tomb of his friend, Lazarus. Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, were, they were all friends of Jesus. Jesus loved these three a great deal. And Jesus stood outside the tomb where Lazarus was buried, been there four days. His body is literally decomposing, and the stench would have been strong if, the, if it had been open, and he, he knew all of this. And Martha, Martha gives Jesus an earful. She is angry. She is hopeless. She says, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would still be alive. And Jesus said this to her in John eleven twenty five. 25. Jesus told her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. In other words, he's saying to his friend, you fixed your eyes on death and on the grave, but Martha, remember who's standing right next to you right now. I, Jesus said, am the resurrection and the life, the very giver of life. And then if you know the story, the cool part is, then he brought her brother back to life. Jesus didn't just talk about it, he did it. What do you do when you're hopeless, confused, and angry? What do you do when life is not making sense and you really don't understand why it's all happening the way it is? Well, I, I think the best thing we can do when angry and confused is we do what Jesus told Martha to do. We believe in him. We fix our eyes on the one who is life, on the one who has the power of resurrection, on the one the defeated death in the grave. We fix our eyes on him. We put our confidence in the one who's able to redeem, restore, renew, and even resurrect dead things. We put our hope in the one who made a way when there is no way. That's what he does. You see, when Jesus is in the mix, 
What seems hopeless is anything but. And death is not the end of the story. When Jesus is involved, death is not the end of the story. Certainly not for those who surrender their lives to him. And that's why I love Easter. Easter is all about God's power over death. Why for over 2,000 years has the church celebrated this day? Why have we made such a big deal? Because it shows that not only did he die for our sins, but he proved that he's bigger than death itself. He showed that his faithfulness to fulfill what he said and to give us hope no matter what we're facing, no matter what you're facing right now. In other words, if Jesus can beat death, and he did, then nothing and no, no situation is too hard for him in your life. That's the good news. That's the hope. If he could beat the cross, then there's nothing in your life that he can't beat. No relationship, no circumstance, no struggle is hopeless or beyond his power. Not one. So I want to watch one more time, my friends, and I want you to see how they discovered hope in the midst of their painful journey. Let's watch this together. From that first Easter on. And you need to know this. It's all because of the resurrection. Because he lives. Those followers of Jesus who had lost their hope became men and women who literally changed the world they lived in. You saw in that video how Dave and Teresa and Kenny, how hope changed their lives. It changed them. It changed their perspective just one day at a time. It changed their understanding. Kenny said, Christ is in control. I love that. It changed the way they faced and continue to face huge challenges in their lives. Kenny still goes to dialysis every week. He still needs kidneys. But I love what he said. Knowing God is on my side and will never leave me has given me courage and hope to move forward. Man, I respect a man who could say, listen, my life sucks. It's not all the way I expect. There's a lot I still don't understand. But knowing that he's in control, knowing that he's got me, that he'll take care of me, gives me courage to move forward. They trusted and surrendered their lives to God whose plans are not always easy. Have you figured that out yet? His plans are not always easy, but they're always for our good. Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah the prophet spoke to the nation of Israel, and they were in captivity. They were miserable. They hated their life. They were not in a good place. And he spoke this word from God to their hearts. He says, I know. God says to them, I know the plans are half you. Declares the Lord, plans for good and not evil to give you a future. And here it is, to give you a future and a hope. That's God's heart for you today. He says, I know the plans I have for you. And they are plans for good and not evil. Not always easy, but they're plans to give you a future and a hope. Some of you have given up on someone you once loved. You've given up on a relationship that just seems hopeless. Or you've given up on a dream you once had, but things didn't go the way you expected and you've thrown that dream aside. Or perhaps like I did at one point in my early 20s, maybe you've given up on yourself. <laughs> and you thought, I'm hopeless, I'll never change. Listen, please listen. Easter is all about hope because Easter's about the author of hope. The author of hope who beat death, who's alive. Easter is proof that if God can raise someone from the dead, then there's nothing he can't do in your life. It's proof to us that anyone and anything surrendered to God can change. 
Because if Jesus can beat death and overcome death, then he can overcome whatever you're facing right now. And that's why you can have hope. That's why you can have hope today. And that's his desire for you. Bow your heads. Let me pray for you right now. Would you please just bow your heads? Jesus, I don't know the stories of everyone in this room. Many of them I do. But Father, I know that you know intimately every detail of their life. You have seen them from their first breath to this moment. And your plans for them are good. Even though some of them experienced horrific evil in their life, that was not your plan. And your desire right now is to infuse hope into their souls, for them to understand that a God who can beat death can beat anything, no matter what we face, no matter how big the obstacle, how unbelievable the hurdle, how difficult our experience, you're bigger, God. You're bigger. And you love us. You love us. And I pray right now, I pray, Lord, that you'd reach into every heart that's here, every heart that's watching online, and that you would encourage them with this truth right now. You love them, and you want to give them hope. You love them, and you want them to leave here today with hope. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a minute. Maybe you're here today, and a friend invited you. You just showed up. You're here because you saw the street sign. I don't know, but you're here. And this message has been just what you needed. You know that God's been speaking to you. And the reason he's doing that is because he does love you. And he wants to be in relationship with you. And if you're here today on this Easter, and you're ready to start your life as a Christ follower, no one's ever going to make you do anything around here. We won't manipulate you. I promise you we're not going to embarrass you. But I have to give you an opportunity right now to say yes to him. Because that's where hope begins, when we say yes when we surrender our lives to him. And by the way, it's a good deal because he surrendered his life for you. And if that's you today, if you're here and you're ready to begin your life as a Christ follower and to begin that journey of hope, I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer and I'm gonna ask you just to make this prayer yours right now. Father, forgive me. I've not believed, I've not looked to you, I've not trusted in you, I've not surrendered, but I, I see you right now but that's what I need, that's what I must do, and that's what I want to do. And so I surrender my life, my past, my present, my future, it's yours. And I, I got a lot of questions. There are things I still don't know, but I know this, you love me. And right here, right now, I'm saying to you, God, I love you. Jesus, thank you for what you did for me on that cross, and I believe. And today, I ask you, fill my heart, fill my life, fill my mind with your hope. I'm yours. Thank you for being mine. Now, if that's you, that's what your heart's desire. Just say, yep, God, that's what I want. And the Bible says that instant you surrender, you say yes to him. You become his child forever. You're his. It's the beginning. It's, it will not fix every problem you've got, but he's the one who will walk with you now through everything you face He'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's what the Bible says. Lord, thank you for that truth. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to do one more thing today. We've tried to keep it pretty short. We've got about 10 more minutes left because I, I want to do uh, what we're going to call a cross encounter. You probably noticed when you came in that there are wooden crosses, six of them throughout the room. And you're thinking, what's this about? It's Easter. I thought that's like a Good Friday thing. Well, I'm going to explain what it's about right now. I'm going to ask you to participate in something very special. When you came in, you were handed that little piece of paper 
It's attached to a pulse, uh, given a pin. Uh, if you didn't get that or you only got one and you've got a, a spouse with you or a friend with you, there are more on all the tables by the crosses. There are more pins and more paper. It's, it's all there. But while the band finishes with this one last amazing song about God's miraculous power, by the way, written by a guy who lost a child. I, I choke up every time I think about that. But I'm going to ask you to write on those little pieces of paper one or two words. Keep it short. One or two words. And I want you to write a word that represents something or someone that you've given up on. Something or someone that you've given up on. One word that, has, that represents a point of past or maybe present hopelessness in your life. You think, well, I don't have a lot of hope, hopelessness in my life. I feel okay. Well, do you have a point of prayer? Something you need God to do for you or for someone you love. One or two words. You can do it in code. You can write initials. You know, I don't care what you put on the card as long as you know that that represents either that point of hopelessness in your life or a point of desperate need, deep concern. And in just a moment, I'm going to have you stand. We're going to sing this song. And by each of the tables, by each of the six crosses, don't come up here to this wooden one. That doesn't count. But each of the six crosses that are around the room, just go to the ones closest to you. There's tables with a hammer, nails, more paper, more pins. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Take that piece of paper where you put that one or two words that represent hopelessness or deep concern in your life, and I want you to nail it to the cross. Don't swing too hard. Couple of taps. You don't have to put the nail all the way in. And I expect 360, there's six hammers. You can work all the way around the cross. I don't care where you put it. But here's the point. Why are we doing this? Get this. Understand this. For some of you, this will be a moment of breakthrough. Because as you nail that little card, that little piece of paper with that name or that word or that, you know, secret code, I don't care what's on there. You know what it means. As you nail that to the cross, what you're saying is, Jesus, as you beat death on the cross, as you beat death, I'm nailing this point of hopelessness. I'm nailing this point of deep concern, this prayer in my life to you. And I'm nailing it to this cross as an act of faith in your hope, faith in you and the hope that I can have in your power. Let's stand together. And again, there'll be a lot of movement. That's all right. Let's worship, go to the crosses, and let's begin this cross encounter. That song wrecks me every time. And I hadn't really known what to expect, but as I'm standing there, the quieter part of the songs that I heard, the hammers striking the nails, it's like the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart. The Father heard every strike of every nail from that cross where Jesus was crucified to this cross where you've crucified your hopelessness, where you've asked God to intervene and do something powerful in your life. God's heard. He's heard. I want to thank you for being here today. I want to ask you to uh, do a couple things for me. If you began your life as a Christ follower today, if you made the decision to begin that journey of hope, tell somebody you're going to make their Easter. Tell that friend or that family member, come tell me. I'll make their day. And we want to walk with you in this journey. And it is a beginning. And on the tables by the doors, there's uh, white envelopes that's for new believers. It's got a Bible and some material to get you started your walk with Jesus. It's our gift to you. Please pick one of these up and take it home. If you need prayer, don't go that way. If you need a miracle, come this way. Prayer team will be down front to pray for you. Communion's always available on both sides of the room. There's even gluten-free on this side. So if you'd like to take communion today before you go, I encourage you to do so. Here's my benediction. I want to finish with uh, the verse I read earlier, Romans 15, 13. This is my prayer. Here it is. I pray that God, the source of all hope, 
will infuse your lives read it with me will infuse your lives with an abundance of joy and peace in the midst of your faith so that your hope will overflow through the power of the Holy Spirit that's my prayer Amen. Happy Easter, guys. Thank you for being here. Have a great day.